Life hurts. Every day we go through trials and tribulations, but I want you to know that you are really special and you have a life ahead of you. We want to work on self-healing. We want to work on self-love. I want you to know that you are a queen that you are destined to be. And with this here podcast, you're going to learn that. And I want you to listen to every story that a woman have and just know that's work, baby. Hey, queens. I am Yvette Lloyd. Welcome to Life Her Podcast. We all have been through different trials and tribulations, but we always have to find a way to get through them. And many times we have to pray our way throughout everything that we go through. And sometimes we may not look like what we've been through. I have Crystal Varner. She is an author of The Devil Told His Side of the Story. Now let me tell mine. She also has another book. It's called Thank God I Don't Look Like What I've Been Through. And she has 21 Days with God. She's also a minister under the headship of Pastor Gregory Harris at Becoming a Light Ministries. Crystal was very amazing. I love discussing different things with her before we started this podcast. And ladies, you will not be disappointed off the things that she will share with us. So, hi, Crystal. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm very good. So, tell me different things on the way that you weren't always a minister serving God. Well, yes. Um, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Uh, I come from a family of seven. My mother had seven children. And um, we weren't the richest people on the block. Actually, we were probably the poorest family on the block. But it was the house that everybody flocked to, right? So there was always 15 minimum people in the house at one time. So if it wasn't my uncle and all their children, it was the neighborhood kids. Um, So I grew up normal, but then I um, decided to do my own thing like we all, like most of us do. Right. right? So by the age of 21, um, I had four children and I found myself heading to, headed to the federal penitentiary uh, facing 10 years. Um, was quite a surprise because I had never had a traffic ticket. <laughs> right. Never had any, had never been in trouble. And so the first time I got in trouble, uh, I was handed down a sentence of 10 years to the federal penitentiary. So. Wow. Not always, you know, I I went to church. Right. Um, I wasn't raised in church. Uh I went to church with my grandparents. So my grandparents picked us up, we went to church. And if they didn't, we didn't go. So it wasn't like we or I grew up in church or knew the Bible or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It was was a little rough. So what, what led you to, you know, getting ready to go to prison? I was um, a drug dealer, and I was hanging out with the Crips. The first time they showed up in Akron right. um, many years ago, they were like my brothers. And so um, me and my the father of my children, mm-hmm. we were heavily involved in gang activities and as well as selling drugs. So oh. I got five years for um, conspiracy and five years for a gun charge. Oh, really? So you served how many years total? I served seven out of the 10. I applied for, um, 
I just drew a blank. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, I believe I you. Apply for an appeal. There you go. There it is. Okay. Yeah, I won my appeal. That's so. okay. We all go through it. <laughs> okay, you apply for an appeal. So what? Um, what? How did you man? Did how did you manage to get your degree and get your pardon from the president of the United States? That is so awesome. Um. Life was hard when I got out of jail. I had four kids that knew me but didn't know me kind of thing. And so I struggled when I got out of jail for quite a while, um, just trying to find my bearings. Um, but I realized I wasn't going to go back to jail. And I knew where I was wasn't where I wanted to be. So I had to find a way to get, pull myself up out of this rut that I was in and find a way how to raise my children and provide for my children. Um, so I got hired. I was working at um, Gojo Industries where I work now. I was worked there for like a tenth for about a year um, before they hired me in. And they paid 80% of tuition reimbursement. So I was like, I'm taking every class that I can take. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2007, I graduated with my bachelor's in business and my bachelor's in marketing. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I know it had to been a journey, but you going through it also. It, it was hard trying to raise kids, working full time, going to school full time. Mm-hmm. But I knew that um, where I was wasn't my final destination. I was like, I know there's so much more. And that's how I started looking around corporate America. Mm-hmm. I was like, everybody in here is doing well. How are they doing it? And so I just started asking questions like, mm-hmm. how'd you get that promotion? They start talking about, oh, we took all these training classes. Oh, there's training classes I could take. Mm-hmm. I started taking every class that I could take in order for me to learn all the knowledge that I needed to get to the next level. Right. So I went in with the mindset that I'm about to work whatever God has in front of me, right? right. I'm going to work this system because... If they can do it, why can't I do it? Right. They're no, no better than me. So right. let me figure out how to get around it. It was hard. I, I'm, just I'm to be sure honest, it was, it was very hard. hard. Like when you, I noticed like when people in certain positions, some people are scared to ask questions. And some of them don't even step out on faith and think that that person will tell them exactly what to do. And then if that person don't tell you, ask them somebody else. Just keep going until you find out. So that's really good that you just stepped out and asked because a lot of people don't ask. I figure after being in jail for seven, penitentiary for seven years, uh, there shouldn't be any fear in asking, right? Yes. <laughs> it's like, look, <laughs> yes. if I survive that, I can come out here and survive this. Let's just figure out how. Because I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody to show me the ropes. I didn't have anybody to pull me up and take me by the hand and show me what to do. So I struggled a lot until I found my way. Um, later on in life, I realized it was God all the time because right. it wasn't just me. Right. And so as I, after I graduated um, with my two bachelor degrees, I took a few years off um, and then went back and graduated in 2012 with my master's. Wow. So, yeah. that is, I'm so happy for you. That is amazing. I've realized that Every, once again, I looked around and everybody else around me were getting promotions. But mm-hmm. me, I'm the only person or black person in this department and everybody is just flying by. Why? How are y'all getting promotions? Mm-hmm. They told me all I needed was a bachelor's degree. It was like, nope, you need a master's degree to get to the next level. 
So you oh. made sure you got to that okay. next level. Yeah. You ain't told Thank me you. nothing but a word. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've talked to 50 people, but you're the only one that really told me the truth. Okay. So let me figure out how to get this master's degree. That's really, really good. Yeah. So before, during your um, prison sentence, what did you do to occupy your time? And what did you do to get through all of those years in prison? In prison, I worked for the warden. <laughs> I worked really? in the office of the ward. Yeah. And so I just did clerical work. So I learned how to type. I was typing like 70, 80 words per minute. Wow. I learned how to do the 10-key adding machine that nobody knows about any today. Um, they're probably like, what's a 10-key adding machine? But I was just really fast, and I learned everything that I could learn from a clerical um, perspective mm-hmm. while I was in jail. It's like, why not? Right. Everybody else wanted to work in the kitchen or in the salon. We also had a hair salon. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, was, it was federal prison. Right. So um, it's not like it is today. There were so many luxuries back then, but um, mm-hmm. I just had the luxury to work for the ward and learn everything that I needed. So when I came out, I was prepared to go and work in an office environment because I had picked up a lot of those skills while I was in the penitentiary. Oh, wow. So I'm in a rewinding phase. Mm -hmm. So what led you to get into selling drugs and joining a gang? I I think it was more of the family bond. The guys were really like my family. Mm -hmm. Um, My family that my parents didn't know about. (laughs) But they were really like my family. And I was like... I have four kids. At that point, I didn't know how to make money. I wasn't working like a real job. Um, I may have waitressed once. I only had one job by the time I was 21 because I was having kids almost every other year. They were coming that quick. And so selling drugs was a quick way of making money. Mm-hmm. And then I had this these relationships with all of these guys that were more, um, that were all brotherly relationships. But I didn't know any better. Point blank period. I just didn't know any better. Okay. So was it was it a point in your life where you had, where it had led you to an emptiness of going in that direction? I think I got more addicted to the fast life and to the money. That's why I stayed in it. Okay. For as long as I did. Um, it, it wasn't long. It was only a couple of years before we got busted. So... And when we got busted, they busted 67 of us at the at one time. Okay. So, could you tell me a little bit, little bit more about Crystal as a younger her? Younger her. Younger her. Crystal, younger me. Um, I think I was 12, 13 years old. Um, I got raped Aww. by my brother's best friend. Uh, guy that was at our house every single day. He, his family and our family pretty much grew up together. Um, and we just went on just like a walk to the candy store somewhere. And he pulled me into an abandoned house and he raped me. Oh, bless your heart. Yep. And so that, it was, it was hard for me because there was, I told my mother, I told my sister, but nothing ever happened to him. Wow. But I wrote in one of my books that I thank God that I was first mm-hmm. because he went on to perfect his gift of raping and his last two victims he murdered. Really? Yes. So I 
I, I see it all now as a blessing in disguise. I That's mean, what God I was walking with saying. me every step of the way, um, mm -hmm. which I didn't realize at that point. But um, when I get got older and just started learning more about God and talking to God and having conversations with God, all I can do is praise God that I was first. Wow, that's that's deep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Got me speechless already. <laughs> because it, it just is hurtful to um, know that you're expressing yourself to someone and let them know that this happened to you. But it's not like they really meant to not take action in it. Maybe they were hurt too. Absolutely. In their lives, and a lot of people just don't know how to cope with it. Absolutely. Um, I don't think my mother realized it. I yeah. told my mother several times, and every time I told her, it was like the first time she ever heard it. Um, I just don't think she knew how to process it. Right. Because she couldn't help me at the time, for whatever reason, maybe she wasn't mentally strong enough. So he um, only did it once? He only did it once. Okay, because I know some people be in situations and they just keep coming over and over again. So the guy today, he's in prison. He died in prison. Oh, wow. He yeah, died he in died, prison. Um, I want to say about seven, eight years ago, maybe. He mm -hmm. died in prison and I couldn't rejoice for him. All I could do was pray for his soul. Right. That's all you can do. Yep. Um. So... How did you end up building your relationship with God, even though you were young and that happened to you? And then you go into having children at a young age. And then after that, you in a gang, you selling drugs and you go to prison. After that prison sentence and knowing you came home into the corporate world and getting your degree and everything. How was it to a point where you said, God, look, I surrender I need you. I know you've been with me all this time. When did you really get to that point to get you through everything? About, I say about 2008 is when I really got serious about God. He was, I realized at that point, that's all I had. I didn't have anything else. Um, I was barely making enough money to take care of my kids. Uh, I had a house. My kids were buck wild they're teenagers at this point mm -hmm. and they were buck wild out in the streets they weren't listening to anybody so i had to, i mean at that point god was the only person i had he was mm -hmm. the only voice that i had and i tell you for two years i laid at that altar and i cried i cried for two years straight at that altar because god had to cleanse me right of everything in order for him to do the rebuilding of who I yes. am and who he created me to be. And sometimes people really have to understand crying does not make you weak, ladies. I love to cry. <laughs> yes. It, it just, after that cry, it, it rejuvenates mm -hmm. you to a whole nother level, a whole new path. Even if you keep crying every day, it's going to come. <laughs> I tell my boys, uh, that's why we have tear ducts. Yes. God gave us tear ducts mm -hmm. so we can cry. You should never be too embarrassed or too ashamed or too manly or too girly, whatever the case may be, right. to cry. That's why God gave us tear ducts. And I take advantage of them yes. quite often. Yes, we have to. So how are how are your how are your children doing today? Even you said they went off and got in the streets and got into trouble and everything. So how are they doing right now today? 
My oldest son, he was murdered in 2011. Lord Jesus. Yes, he was murdered by, um, I would say, like his God's, his God brother. Really? So, oh. Yes. He was murdered. He was shot in the back. They were arguing, having an argument. My son turned around and walked away from him, and he was shot in the back and killed. Aww. And so... That was, that was a hard blow for me because yeah, I was no. like, God, I'm, I've been praying. I've been worshiping you. Uh, I've been getting up interceding for, for people for two years straight. And you take my son? I mm. have no understanding. Oh, no, I wouldn't understand. No understanding at all. But God had three days strategically set up. There was one city of joy was having their grand opening on mm-hmm. Talmadge Road. Mm-hmm. That our church was going to, right. um, to support. The next day, um, there was an uh, another uh, pastor had another conference set up, morning of decree, that I was working. And then mm-hmm. Sunday was church. Wow! So God has three days strategically set up, and on the third day, I found myself raising my hands and worshiping God. Wow. Because he showed me and taught me that if I can put the stars in the sky, trust me, I know what I'm doing on this one too. I, I know that's right. It was a hard build pill to swallow. So much you've been through, but yet, what I admire about you the most, you still didn't give up, but you still put your trust in God, right. even though of you not giving up. I'm sure somewhere in there you still wanted to. Oh, I definitely wanted to. <laughs> Yes. I wanted to give up. I wanted to throw in a towel. I wanted to walk away. I wanted to cry. I wanted to scream. I wanted to kill somebody. I, w- I had all of those emotions like, right. Lord, what do I do with this? Right. And I had to just take it all to him and lay it at his feet. I cried. I cried. I cried. And I cried some more. Wow. Until he healed me. And he had to heal my broken heart. Yeah. Until he gave me. One morning I just woke up and I had this peace that came over me. I, my tears still came, but I had some peace. It was like I didn't ask him too many more whys because he was answering all of my questions. Mm-hmm. But I had this peace and this calm that came over me. I think the only question that I asked that I asked him that he never answered was, "Is he in heaven?" Mm-hmm. And and so you you live not knowing, right? Because maybe I'm not strong enough to have the real answer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But he's the guy who's in control of everything. And so yes. I trust him with everything. So the friend, is he in prison? He is in prison. Um, which is sad because, you know, I didn't want him to go to jail. Right. I, I fought for him not to go to jail. I fought for him not to get the maximum sentence. He got 15 to life. Mm-hmm. I fought for him not to get that time. But um, he's in prison. So you saying you... You fought for him not to get that time and everything. So this kind of ties in what of what's going on today about the woman and the young man yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of forgiving her for killing his brother. Yeah. So how do you, how do you feel about that since you've been in that type of situation? How do you feel about it? I feel that that was a true move of God. And whenever God moves, nobody is to question that. Right. I feel that he spoke, the Holy Spirit was in that courtroom, and the Holy Spirit spoke through that young man. And how can you judge 
when God says, when his word says we are to love and without love, we have nothing. Right. So for them to show this lady the love of God, who are we to question if that's right or not? Right. So, um, and that's how I, I felt about it. You know, a lot of people can be in friendships or relationships with people. It takes a real person that know you within to understand you. I felt like at that moment, he understood his brother. He understood his brother's spirit, his love for God and everything. And I don't even think it's necessarily of him speaking. Mm-hmm. It's his brother speaking through him to speak to that woman to yeah. say that. And a lot of people really don't understand that because, you know, sometimes if you really know that person, you know how they feel. You know how to retaliate or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. And it was just love within them. And a lot of people don't know if you forgive, it's a relief for, for you. It's a healing for you. Definitely. And I, I tell you, when I went to speak to the young man that murdered my son, I had everything rolled out what I was going to say to him. Mm-hmm. And when I got up to open my mouth, nothing I wrote came out. Wow. The only thing that came out is what God wanted him to hear. Mm-hmm. And that was, you have a chance, you have an opportunity to ask God for forgiveness. If you ask God for forgiveness and he forgives you, who are we to be angry at you? Right. He still has time to get his life right. He has still has time for God to save his soul. Mm-hmm. And if God forgives him and we walking around here angry, my chances of going to hell are a whole lot um, higher than his. Right. So it's like you can't hold a grudge against people because you don't like the outcome. Right. I mean, God's word tells us to love. How are you going to love when you feel like it? Right. Or when you think it's right or when you think it's wrong. I mean, you're supposed to love regardless. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. The story so how much time did they give him? 15 was the minimum that they could give him. Okay. That is really strong that you, you know, it just shows a lot of you, your character, for you to actually speak to him. It's all God. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's all God. I know. And then that's why we... You know, people need to really understand that, but sometimes it's not meant for some people to understand it because mm-hmm. God places it in certain people for a reason. That's right. And that's right. He placed it Those in. that are going to stand up and be vocal and not um, not feel ashamed about speaking up, rather mm-hmm. the family likes it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's going to say whatever, you know? Right. My family was mad at me for a long time, and it's like, it's it's all good because I have a God that I need to please before I need to please anybody else. Right. So I'm going to focus on pleasing God first. So how do you please you? I please me. Um, I love to shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I don't like shopping. <laughs> I will shop for you. I love to shop. Um, I'm a shoe, a holic. Uh, really, I, I am have too. Over 200 plus pairs of shoes. Oh, yeah, I ain't that much of a shoe holic though. Oh my gosh! <laughs> really, I love a deal. I love a sale. I will. I will go all over. I, me and my husband love to travel, and so I just go and I try to find one or two specific things every country we go to. Uh huh. To bring back that I can just rock that I know ain't nobody else is no. gonna have. But if I can find a good sale around here, uh-huh. honey, I tell you, Black Friday is my best friend. I do twenty four really? hours of shopping straight. Oh my god! Yes, 
see you like shopping, shopping. Mm-hmm. I don't like shopping at all. I will. I don't like going to the store and find something, and I just get antsy. Only th- if I have some real cute different shoes in a purse, mm-hmm. I'm good. Other than that, I will just go to Walmart or something and I'll just give you something real quick. I shop for you. <laughs> yes, I I don't. I but don't. I'm not a purse person. Really, I like, love purses. Like I would purses. carry the same purse. Really? I've, I've been carrying this purse probably for about six months now. Really? I don't care what I have on. I carry this purse. Really? Well, my purse and shoes good. I'm, I don't care what I got on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> That's good. And I like to travel. So really? me and my husband, our goal was to travel all 50 states. We've hit about 27. Ooh. And then we started doing the countries. So we've hit about seven, seven, eight countries so far. Wow, that is nice. That guy has to be fun. Just even just so would you travel in the countries, do you feel nervous sometimes to go to a country off of all the things that go on? No. Depends on what country you're going to. So we go to safe countries. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so last year we went to Paris. Oh um, the year before we went to Italy. The year before that we went to London. Then we went to Germany. Uh-huh. Um, we've been to Jamaica, Mexico, um, Canada. Wow. How did you like Paris? I've always wanted to go there, but I don't know. All I can think of is the Eiffel Tower. The yeah. thing. <laughs> so I went to Paris. My job sent me to Paris and I okay. went to Paris with um, my boss, but then I took extra days and I was there by myself for like four days and it was mm-hmm. so beautiful. And so last year I went back with my husband. It's 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 so different when you go back with the one you love, right? right? <laughs> and you go up under the Eiffel Tower and do your kissing above under the Eiffel Tower. Did you guys do the um, you know, the bri- the bridge with the locks? You yes, yes. Did you yes. guys do that? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna do that one day. We didn't put that lock up there, but we went up there and took pictures. Of okay, thousands and thousands and thousands of locks. But we um, when we go, we usually buy like um. We buy like weekly uh, subway passes. Okay. And we just ride the subway everywhere. Oh, that's nice. You get nice. Um, somebody will tell you how to get around, and mm-hmm. you just go and do your thing. We don't. We never go with a group, mm-hmm. and um, we just go and have fun. So you still working in the corporate world right now? I am. So, um, is it difficult as a woman being in the corporate world? It's difficult as a black. In the corporate world. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I have a, I always have a lot of women that ask me this question. Um, and I have a lot of friends that are in positions that's trying to work their way up in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. What advice could you give them for them to keep rising in different positions for them to be in a better position? The advice I would give them is whatever position that they're in now, learn everything, master that position. Not only master that position, but the position that they want to go to, begin to master that position before they even apply for the job. So if you don't have an opportunity to apply for that job now because you don't have the skill sets, go and ask that supervisor or supervisors who are over that department, hey, you guys need any help? What, What can I do to help? And if they don't have any physical work, help me understand if there's some training that I can take. So like I told you, I took training for years. Our company offered all different kind of trainings where they would pay for us to go places as well as all online. Wow. You can't tell me now that I don't qualify to 
apply for this position because mm-hmm. I have all of this training. I've been doing all of this other work. So help me understand if, if this doesn't qualify, help me understand what do I need to do? So I've started asking my bosses at some point to, hey, give me some career um, track. How do I get to where you where I want to be? Mm-hmm. So they'll start telling they start telling me different things. You need to do this. You need to take on a project that has this skill set. Um, you can't go here until you take on some international projects. That's how I ended up getting getting mm-hmm. um, sent to Paris. Okay. Because I started taking on international projects that allowed me to go to, to different countries, and so. I'll take on whatever I have to if I know that there's somewhere I want to go. So I asked for a promotion last year. Oh, you don't have what what you need to get that promotion. Mm-hmm. Help me understand what I need. And I start having conversations with my VP mm-hmm. and with my director. Lay it out for me. Mm-hmm. And I, all I need you to do is give me a blueprint. Give me a blueprint and I'm going to figure it out. But they right. have to start asking questions. They have to start taking advantage of the position that they're in, whether they like it or not, mm-hmm. but they have to master it. And then they have to master the next level before they even get to the next level. Right. What, when you, I think the portion also is when you going into the next level, what about your peers on people that you're working with that's surrounding you that you may find yourself getting caught up in gossip or if you know someone that work in the same position as you, you tell them that you're trying to work your way up and then they probably tell the next person. How would you tell, give a woman advice on what to do and not to do when you're trying to work yourself up? Stay out of gossip and quit telling your business. That's right. If you're trying to get a promotion, that ain't nobody's business but you and your supervisors. Mm-hmm. That That's it. Because there's going to be so many people that's going to try to pull you down and try to throw Nate, uh, dirt on your name um, and they don't even know the truth. Right. So I would my advice would be stay out of gossip and keep people out your business. Yes. <laughs> yes, because I, I get women to ask me that all the time. They're like, when you get somebody in corporate, why don't you ask them? I'm like, okay, I got you, girl. You only need two real people that you can talk to. Yes. I mean, I'm not I'm not even talking about on a supervisory level, but on a girlfriend level, like mm-hmm. Girl, I'm having a rough day. So I had Tammy and I had another friend, Victoria, at work. Like, I'm having a rough day. We would go down in that basement and we start praying. Dad, I know that's I was right. like, well, we or we go outside and we start walking that building and we we're praying because it's like, if I go back in there, I'm gonna have a nervous breakdown or I'm gonna say something that I'm gonna regret. So I need you to talk me off this ledge. And mm. we would just walk that building or we would go down in that basement and we would pray and be like, okay, I can go back. Mm-hmm. But it. Those are people you need. Everybody needs one or two people on the job yes. that they can talk to because your family, your husband, somebody else, they're not going to understand what you're actually going through yes. on the job. So find somebody on the job that you can actually depend on, rely on, and trust. And, I mean, you have those conversations with them. Right. That's that's some great advice. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, I hope y'all listening. I've seen a lot of women being sabotaged. Um, where I am now, I am... I am the the I'm the black female and I've been there the longest. Wow. There's Did nobody you... in corporate America that is African American or female that's been there longer than me. Wow, you're the only one. Oh, is it, do you find it being tough? Do you deal with like racial things? Not so much racial anymore because I've been there. Uh, well, 
I'll take that back because you got new people come. Right. And they don't know who you are or how mm-hmm. long you've been there. Yeah, they don't care. And they try to throw mm-hmm. their weight around. And so they get checked, um, not necessarily by me, but real quick. Yeah. Because it's like I'll roll and say, hey, who is this? This is what they did. This is what they're doing. This is what they're saying. Help me understand what I need to do to deal with them or to stop this. And so somebody else will go and deal with them. Yeah. So, um, and a lot of people gotta understand you have to go to the source instead of going to another person that won't have that pull mm-hmm. to stop that person. And so it's really good that you went to the source and let them know exactly what's going on and fix it. I had a conversation with a VP. I was having some problems with somebody. I'm a project manager. Mm-hmm. And so for project managers, is what we do is we manage projects from the ideation to inception. So my boss would come to me and say, hey, we want to launch this, but we don't know what to do. We want this bottle, this cap to be orange. We might want some red juice in it. We don't know what the label should say. We need you to go figure all that out. Mm-hmm. So it's my job to go and say, I need somebody from purchasing. I need somebody from legal. I need somebody from regulatory. I need somebody from marketing. I need somebody from manufacturing. I need all these people. I don't need to be the expert. I just need you to bring me all these people. So I get assigned all these people as the project leader. Mm-hmm. My job is to say, hey, bring me this information. Okay, now I need you to go do whatever I need you to do based on your right. area of expertise. So I'm having issues with one of the area subject matter expertise. Mm-hmm. They won't listen to anything I'm saying. They won't take my advice. They won't listen to my direction, anything. And so I had to go have a conversation with a VP. And it was like, hey, just help me understand. I just need whatever said in this room stays in this room. Agree? He was like, agree. I said, I'm having a problem. I'm not going to give you names. I'm just going to give you a scenario. And I need you to help me to understand how I should handle it. And we went through all the scenario. Like, they won't do what I'm saying. They won't. I'm trying to give them direction, recommendation. He goes, do they understand that you're the leader? I was like, mm-hmm, sure they do. He goes, well, this is what you do. You go have a conversation with him. You tell him if he doesn't do it, you go into his supervisor. Then you go to his supervisor. You have the same conversation. And if she doesn't make him do it, you tell her you're going to her supervisor. And all the Let's way up the chain of command, he goes, and I'm the last stop. And you've already had a conversation with me. So it's about getting the right people right. on your team and having those relationships that you can go and have those one-off conversations mm-hmm. without, you know, spreading blood or anything negative yes. in corporate America. Because I'm not trying to throw anybody on the bus, but at the end of the day, I have a job to do. Yes. And you're not going <laughs> to stop me from doing my job. Yes. And, that, and, and I don't know what it is, is people don't understand we're here at work for a purpose. To work. We have a goal that we are supposed to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Why are you giving not only me, but you giving yourself a hard time too? Because you got a job you got to complete also. So I never understood that when certain people do that when you're on the mm-hmm. job. Like, look, we well, this is our everyday life. This is what we got to do. You got to deal with me. I got to deal with you. I don't Let's know do if, it's it. trying, if, them, if it's them trying to sabotage themselves or sabotage me. You know what I'm saying? So well, it's like at the end of the day... I care more about me than I do you. So that, um, yep. you're going to do your own thing. Have you ever experienced, um, like while you're at your job, have you ever experienced them looking back into your background or try to throw that in there as far as you making yourself rise to the top? 
Well, I tell you, when I got my pardon <laughs> in um, 2017, I was on the job. And when I applied for the job years ago, I put on my application that I was a felon, so I never lied. Mm -hmm. And so when my pardon um, was approved, my name was the only name that was in the Akron Beacon Journal. It was my first name, middle name, my maiden name, and my married name. So there was no misunderstanding as to who I was. Right. Out of the 200 plus people that President Obama pardoned, my name was the only name in the paper. And so my husband called me and said, hey, you made the paper. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, your name is in the paper. So I picked up the paper. Everybody in the company reads the paper. There's papers right. laid out all over the place. So I'm like, okay, Lord, um, what am I going to do? <laughs> and God instructed me. He said, you go downstairs and you have a conversation with the VP of HR and you tell him before he has a chance to open that newspaper. Right. And so that's exactly what I did. And I had a conversation with him and he said, well, I'm going to have to go and tell the owners and we'll call you back. We'll call you back in for another meeting, a follow-up meeting. And the funny thing is, as I was walking out, my director was walking in because oh, he was going to tell him because he had oh, already read the Try to get you yeah. here. And wow. My, my director didn't like me. And it's like, okay, he was trying to do everything he could to get me fired, but he couldn't because uh -huh. nothing, everything he had didn't hold water. And so when I saw him coming in, I just smirked at him. It's like, I beat you I beat to you it. To it. <laughs> man, beat man, you man, to man. it. And he came upstairs and he didn't speak to me for the rest of the day. So I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so my the owners of the company, um, they called me or they sent me an email and said, um, we're happy that we work for a company that gives people second, third, and fourth chances. We're, we're proud of you and the work that you've done for our company. So I don't have, now I don't care who, but yeah. all I had to do was pick up a book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> pick yeah. up my book. Go go give me a couple dollars. Go buy it off of Amazon. Yeah. And you could have learned everything you wanted to learn. Yes. But yeah, I don't have any problems now about telling people that I went to the penitentiary. I don't care if mm -hmm. you work in corporate America or if I work in corporate America. Um, mm -hmm. That's something that I'm proud of because of where God has me now. So right. I can tell people that I'm not, I don't fit the stereotype. Mm -hmm. Of what society says or what society yes. believes, because I'm a black female who went to the federal penitentiary who works in corporate America, and I'm doing pretty darn good for myself mm -hmm. because of the grace of God. Yes, <laughs> and you know, I I see a lot of um, I know like certain women that has gotten into trouble and everything, and I actually have a a parent that I'm really close to, and. I'm like, okay, when are you going to stop? She like, this is all I know. I said, no, it's not all that you know. You just find it easy for you to do because that's, that's what you want to do. But if you really want to change your life, that's what you would do. So, you know, of course, a natural reaction, defensive mechanism and mm -hmm. whatever and all this and that. Not even three weeks, she texts me. I got a job. I'm like, what? Oh, I'm like, you got a job? She's like, yes. And she was so happy. And you know, sometimes when a person would be so happy, they tell certain people because they know they're going to be happy for them. Yeah. And it made me feel good because I had saw her aunt and she was like, 
she said that she you was the first person that she told that she had a job. I'm like, oh, that is so sweet. And she ended up telling me, you're the only one I told that had a job. I'm like, that's good. I'm really proud of you. I said everything possible. And people understand, even though you know that person's story, mm-hmm. don't remind them of it when they already accomplished something right. and they doing good. And I see it all the time. Or someone will try to throw them off track of whatever they have going on. And it's just, they dealt with hurt long enough. Mm-hmm. I don't need you. Just say you're happy for me and keep it moving. They have to learn to say, that's that's all you know? Yeah. For real? That's public knowledge. Mm-hmm. Bring me something new the next time you come to me. Mm-hmm. They yeah. just got to change their response to them. Every time they want to throw yes. up something negative or their past, they got to change their response. Like. God showed me a long time ago that there were certain people that had the ability to just make me go left. I was a big cusser when before I got saved. I cuss you out, your mama out, the baby out, the grandkids out, the kids that wasn't even born out. Everybody got cussed out. Jesus, you was cussing. I was cussing. <laughs> but God showed me there was only certain people that had the ability to, to take me all the way there. Mm-hmm. And so before I even approached that person... God started molding me. You know they're going to try to take you there. Stay away from them. Or change your response. Get ready for it. Don't let them catch you off guard Mm -hmm. because it's coming. Right. And so when you get around them, because some things were um, unavoidable, it's just like, okay, I knew you were coming. I knew you were coming. So now you don't have the ability to throw me off because I know you're about to say something crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not about to act the way that I used to act. Yes, and that's the same thing what she went through. She was going because she was living with her mom because she was evicted from her her home that she had. So it was funny because not even a week later, she like, I found a house, I found a house. I was so excited and all that. And she was so happy. And that same day, that same morning, her mom said something negative. And got her off the hookup and she just like, I can't do this no more. I just want to go back to what I was doing. And I said, no, you're not. (laughs) You're going to keep doing what you do. I said, that's just the devil. And then at the same time, you got to think of it. It's just God taking you through different tests. So you won't reverse back to where you were at. And she's doing good. She actually moved in this weekend. She moved to her home and stuff. But she looks so refreshing now and and her kids are even happy for her like mom my mom got a job she's not in that toxic environment yes and it just feels good to see women do that and that's what makes me really happy for you and proud of you because driving the world and everything and you just living i tell you it's all it's all god all god um i did a lot when i got saved i did a lot of praying like i told you i prayed for two years straight i would get up every morning 4 a.m and i'm praying and interceding for other people for two years straight so i built a good relationship with god of hearing his voice and you know mm-hmm. he had to correct me a lot he still corrects me every single day because you know we, mm-hmm. we flesh we're human and sometimes we get our thoughts get all twisted and crazy but my relationship with god is really good and i'm i'm just super excited that he chose me that's good 
So how is it with your, um, even though all the things that you've been through, how's your relationship with your parents? Oh, I love my parents. <laughs> my mom moved to Vegas earlier this year, and I just cried because I'm the youngest, and I'm like, what are you, what are you being? You, you sure you want to go? Um, so, yeah, I miss my mom. And my dad, he, he lives here, and I was just over visiting him yesterday, so I try to go visit him at least once a week. So it's pretty good. That's I just good. love my parents. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And how is it? How is your health? Your health been okay? Because, you know, sometimes good. when you go through things, your body sometimes carry it. Yeah, when I was going through all that stuff with my with my children earlier, in t- like 2005, I had a heart attack. So it was all anxiety and stress Mm -hmm. um i was in icu for five days Uh it was a huge i mean it was it it came to slow me down Mm -hmm. um because they went up in there they couldn't find nothing i was like that that was all god honey yeah i thought i was on my way up out of here Mm -hmm. but right now it's good i mean i just nothing to complain about (laughs) (laughs) so who who are your key supporters in your life my number one supporter is my husband. Oh. I mean, he he drives me everywhere. I wake up in the middle of the night, his hand is on me, he's praying over me. Um, whatever I say I wanna do, he doesn't ask too many questions because he trusts the God in me. Mm-hmm. Um my, he's my number one fan, my husband. He's Aww. my biggest cheerleader. <laughs> that's good. I just love him. And my children, my children are really good. And I have a couple um strong ladies that I rock with, mm-hmm. uh, women of God, and I call on them at any time and they will pray heaven down mm-hmm. um to cover me and they'll come and support me and um and I love them. I love the God in them. Aww, that's good. Yeah. Um, how are your kids doing now today? Even though, you know, with your son Ooh, passing. Honey, <laughs> My oldest son, I mean, my youngest son, my oldest son and my youngest son, they were born on the same day, five years apart. Oh, what? what? I know. I know. And my youngest son, he's still in, he's still in prison. So okay. he's been um, in prison for about know, five years. I think he gets out next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had all boys? Three boys, one girl. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Ooh. Girl, before she got saved, I was like, I had four boys because she was just as rough as them. Really? <laughs> I love her. She's a, she's a little mini me. She's a firecracker. Really? Um, she loves God. She can pray heaven down for, for God. Um, and my second son, Thomas, he's doing good. They're all doing well. Oh, that's yeah. good. So, um, how many grandchildren do you have? Girl, honey, listen. <laughs> I got a squad. I have 20 grandchildren. What do you? I have 20 grandchildren, and I love every last one of them. Oh, I know. They probably rotten, too. Last year for Christmas, we had 19 people come over and stay the night for Christmas. What? And I, most of my grandchildren were there. And I, I know it had to be heaven. fun, too, because it's just creating memories. Yeah. And, you know, like, today's kids, they don't understand, like, how family supposed to be. Yeah. And everybody sometimes be so divided. So, it was really, that's fun. It was so chaotic. <laughs> it was so chaotic. Did you get up, cook breakfast and I all did. that, too? We did. We cooked breakfast Ooh. and lunch. And I think we cooked dinner, and then we cooked it, kicked everybody out after everybody else <laughs> We did. We could kick everybody out, and I was like, if I don't see y'all for like two months, 
you know, it's okay. Mm, we had our time. Thank you. Merry <laughs> Christmas. Bye. I know that's right. That's good. So, um, in closing, in a few words of you speaking to our listeners, how are ways that you could tell them how to heal themselves something inspiring that you could tell them? I would say um, take time for yourself. Nobody is more important than you. You have to focus on what makes you happy. And if you don't know what makes you happy, spend time with you. Close yes. out the world. I mean, even if it's late at night after you put the kids to bed, uh, TV off, spouse, significant other might be asleep. Take time for you. Spend 10, 15, 20 minutes at least by yourself, whether it's reading a book, listening to music. Um, shut the TV off because um, it can be toxic at yes. sometimes. Um, and just try to figure out what you want to do in life. Once you get right, once you know what you want to do, once you know what makes you drive, what makes you happy, what makes you go, how you going to do whatever it is that you want to do, then do it. And don't let nothing stop you. Do it. If it's taking a class, take it. If it's taking a training, take it. If it's going to volunteer, do it. If mm -hmm. it's reading the Bible, do it. If it's reading a book, any book, do it. Yes. Just spend time with you. If it's going to get a massage, I love going to have me, myself, and I days. Yes. And I don't too. feel bad about me, myself, and I days. I can just go off. I might go to 20 stores and never buy anything. But it's just spending time with me. Mm -hmm. You know, so I would say spend time with you. That's take amazing. care of you first because you can't take care of anybody else if you're not Yes, well. Yes, it's a whole thing of loving yourself. Yep, that's it. Yes. Discover so, who you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, they can email me. My email address is crystalvarner21 at gmail.com. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L, V as in Victor, A-R-N-E-R, -E 21 at gmail.com. Or feel free to call me, text me. My phone number is 330-701-7889. I've had the same number for 18 years. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I thought I was back because I'm like, dang, I had my number for 10 years now. <laughs> I'm catching up with you, huh? Yes, <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Life Her Podcast, where we help heal women all over the world. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and um, like our page on Facebook. It's the same as our website, lifeherpodcast.com, to listen to other podcasts, and you can purchase merchandise. I am Yvette Lloyd. I am Life Her. Love yourself, ladies. Bye.